In a moment, we're going to read some verses from Daniel chapter 2, and uh, in it, uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has a dream, and um, he wants to know what it means, and uh, so we're going to read part of chapter 2, and we're going to read up to the bit uh, where Daniel um, interprets the dream, but he doesn't tell him what it is. Steve Petch is going to be here next week. Steve Petch, who used to lead the church in Grace Church in Chichester, is just about to move to the coin, and uh, he will be uh, here next week, and he'll be preaching on, actually talking about the dream itself. So we're going to look at uh, the impossible dream. This is what Daniel chapter 2 says. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you don't tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. At at this moment, uh, they go into panic and uh, everything falls apart. Uh, They basically say, we can't do it. The king goes absolutely mad and uh, they're all about to be executed. And at this moment, Daniel enters the story. And so at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for a time so that he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, that you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. It's an extraordinary story. I don't know about you, but have you ever come across moments like that? I remember once at the end of a meeting uh, many years ago going to, uh, we were praying for people at the end of the meeting, and um, I went up to this particular person and I said, um, you've re- obviously you've responded for prayer, do you want to tell me uh, what you'd like me to pray for? And this person said to me, I'm not going to tell you. God will tell you and you'll pray that over me. I'm thinking, oh my word. Who do you think you are, Nebuchadnezzar? Who do you think I am, Daniel? 
all felt a little crazy. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, you see here, insists his interp- advisors interpret his dream on pain of death. So if they don't tell him what his dream was and interpret it, he's going to have them killed. I mean, imagine how mental that must have seemed. Imagine the exam where you have to guess the question before you write the answer. Or the diagnosis, you have to give a diagnosis when you don't know the symptoms. Imagine going to the doctor and you say to the doctor, Doctor, I don't feel well, I'd like, you, uh, to, uh, I'd like some help. And the doctor says, well, uh, have you got some pain? Tell me where it is. And you say, no, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to guess. You're going to have to work it out. You're going to get short shift, aren't you? Or maybe you're a salesperson and you're trying to sell a product, but you have no idea what it does or how it works. Actually, I had a job like that. I used to work many years ago in Curry's in Morriston in North Swansea, and um, I was selling electrical goods. And at the time, I was about 15, 16. I had no idea what they did or how they did it. And so people would come in and ask questions, and I was, I was really absolutely lost as I'm trying to sell them these things. Fortunately, the people coming in knew, le- uh, knew little about the goods that they were buying either, so we got on famously, and uh, it all worked well. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's was the impossible dream. And we live in a world of impossible dreams, Getting a ticket for the EFL Cup final. A seat on southern, a southern rail train. A southern rail train. World peace. Stopping climate change. Clearing third world debt. When for many, just clearing a student debt is a bridge too far. Ending exploitation of women and children. Cures for so-called incurable diseases. Enough money to never have to work again. Too often we're reaching for an impossible dream. You see, a dream isn't real, but may or may not have connection with reality. Sometimes we dream at night and very occasionally we remember them which is probably best because more often than not they're a result of us being anxious, stressed or having had too much pizza the night before. On other occasions we daydream usually about things that will never happen as a way of avoiding the reality of the situation that we're facing. Occasionally, however, God uses our dreams. God was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar And he had absolutely no idea. I've known God warn people in dreams. I remember being uh, in a a church meeting many years ago and a lady got up and gave a testimony about uh, what had happened with her. And her husband uh, was running off with another woman, was leaving uh, with another woman. And she was crying out to God, I don't want to lose my husband, save my marriage. And uh, she cried out and she prayed a passage in the Old Testament. She said, God, your word says this. This is what she prayed. This is what she prayed. Listen to this. God, you say this in your word. Verse 
But God speaks again and again, through, though people don't recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when, they, when sleep falls on people as they lie in bed. He whispers in their ear and terrifies them with warnings. He causes them to change their mind and keeps them from pride. And she said, God, your word says this. I pray this, that you would cause my husband to have dreams, terrify him, turn him back, bring him back to me. And within... A week, he was home. He'd had some terrible dreams and had come home and, and they started to get their marriage back together. That's a, a moment where God speaks into a dream. There are other moments we know when we would have loved for things like that to happen, but they haven't. But God does speak in all sorts of ways. God sometimes puts dreams in our hearts for things because he has plans for our lives. And they usually seem impossible, and there are plenty of people around us who be are all too quick to tell us that they will never happen. We need to remember that with God, all things are possible, as we were singing this morning. We need to remember nothing is impossible with God. God was about to break into Babylonian culture through Daniel because of one man's impossible dream. And if we're going to make a difference in the culture that we live in as believers, whether that's individually or corporately together as a church, as we navigate the culture, we're going to need to recognize when God is speaking to us. We need to recognize when God is speaking to us. A few uh, weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, we baptized um, a, a, a young man. And uh, in the run-up to his baptism, he was having some extraordinary dreams. And there was a moment where he had, uh, I, I was coming down the stairs at the entrance to the building from upstairs. I'd been at a meeting upstairs, came down, and he was at the, uh, at the, in the foyer area. And he said, oh, hi, Steve. I, he said, it's incredible seeing you here. He said, because I dreamt about you last night. Now, when people normally dream about me, I sort of start to feel slightly concerned. If I'm involved in DIY in the dream, it's a nightmare. I know that's a nightmare. So as he, uh, he says, Steve, I had, a, I had a dream. You were in my dream and you were talking to me. And I say, oh, so what was that about? And he, he said, in my dream, um, you were telling me why I needed to be baptized. And I, I, and I did my dream. I've been feeling that I needed to be baptized and I was... I was battling over it, but in my dream, you were speaking to me about why I need to be, to be baptized. And he said, he went on to say later that the amazing thing was that as I talked to him about baptism there and then, he said, that was the place I saw you in my dream. That's where I was. He said, I think God might be speaking to me. Yes, I think he might be. And actually, we had the privilege of baptizing him a, a few weeks later. God speaks to us. We need to know when God, we need to recognize when it's God speaking to us. You see, Nebuchadnezzar knew his dream was significant. You see, in the culture of the day, uh, dreams tended to have meanings. And the king was looking for help and answers. And unbeknownst to him, the one true God was speaking to him. God still speaks today. And here are some telltale signs that God may be speaking to us. Our hearts are unsettled. We feel unsettled. 
Let me explain. Nebuchadnezzar was rich. He was powerful. The world was his oyster. His word was never questioned. His armies were undefeatable. Yet he was troubled. He had sleepless nights. His dreams made him anxious. His kingdom was secure, but he was insecure inside. He had no peace. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3 says, A dream comes when there are many cares. Someone astutely said that the higher we climb, the more insecure we become because the further we have to fall. We can have everything, yet it not be enough. We can be living the dream, but be plagued with doubts, uncertainties and anxieties. What if God is speaking to us in those moments just like he was, Nebuchadnezzar? Maybe this morning you've come here and you feel troubled, you feel stirred, you feel uh, things uh, are worrying you, and maybe you're not even sure what it is. Maybe you're struggling to sleep. Maybe there's, I can tell you, if you're struggling to sleep, there's something going on in your life, whether it's stress. But maybe God is speaking to you. He's probably certainly saying to you, slow down. What is God saying to you this morning? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you've taken your eyes off him and you've slipped into relying on your own strengths and abilities and, and God's trying to woo you back. He's, you're feeling unsettled and God's saying, come on, return, draw, draw near to me again. Maybe you've never given God a second thought, just like Nebuchadnezzar. And God is wanting, he's calling you, calling you home. There's a home for you in a relationship with a father who loves you, as we've been singing about this morning. Augustine said this, Our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Is your heart restless? Is your heart restless this morning? Are you here this morning with a restless heart? Well, if God is unsettling you and unsettling us this morning, we mustn't settle for second best. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was surrounded by wise men. And around us, there are plenty of people who will be happy to tell us what we ought to do about the dream that's in our heart. Sometimes they give good advice, but sadly too often, people have their own agendas You see, all Nebuchadnezzar's money couldn't buy him an answer. And the thing was, he could have settled for second best. It may seem absolutely mad what Nebuchadnezzar was doing, saying, I want my dream interpreted. And the guys say, okay, well, tell us the dream and we'll interpret for you. And he says, no, I'm not telling you the dream. Do you know what was going on? He was cynical about these guys around him. He was cynical that they were just going to say something and manipulate it. And so he wanted to be certain that he got to the real heart of what was going on. He wasn't prepared to settle for second best. And it may seem he was being incredibly unreasonable. And he probably was. He was a despot. But there was something in his heart. He was determined. He wanted the real deal. He wanted the real deal. Today, we live in a world where cynicism is rife. 
We're all fed up with spin. People spinning stories, spinning stuff. And if we're going to make a difference in today's culture, it will be by being the real deal. People can't stand hypocrisy. A God of a form of godliness, but denying its power. God hates it too. Lukewarm Christianity makes God vomit, we're told in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. God would rather we were totally switched off than lukewarm, because lukewarm gives the impression of something, but it's so distasteful it turns people's hearts off. When people see Christianity that's cold, they, don't, they recognize it's cold and it's disinterested. That doesn't affect them. But when they see something that's lukewarm, they see something that, oh, that, that looks interesting. But when they get closer, they think, oh, no, that's spin. It's hypocrisy. It's... God hates that. He'd rather we were hot or cold. He wants us to be raging hot for him. He wants us to be so in love with him, so passionate about him, that everybody around sees something different. You see, we must never compromise on core values. All around us, people believe that truth is relative. If it's true for you, it's true. No. No, it's not. It's no different to Daniel's day. We must never settle for that. It's second best. I was with someone uh, the last week or so, about 10 days ago, and this person was, uh, 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 was really, really very ill. Very ill. And I went and had the opportunity to talk to them about faith. And as I'm talking to them, I started to talk about faith and about what happens, what, the hope that goes beyond the grave, the hope of a life in Christ that isn't determined by this physical body. And they said to me, I believe in God, but I, I've tried, tried it, it didn't work for me. Tried it, it didn't work for me. Okay, so that's true for you, that's okay then. No, it's not. No, it's not. And in the moment, we've got to press through and say, no, it's not like that. You see, many people around us are unsettled looking for answers. We must continue to speak the truth in love. Those are the moments that God is waiting for. You see, he's engineered this situation with Nebuchadnezzar. He's troubled Nebuchadnezzar with dreams. God's brought it all to a head to demonstrate his power through his people. He is delighted when Daniel steps up to the plate. These are days when God wants to reveal himself through his church as we head upstream and navigate our culture. And if we're going to do it, there's some things we need to learn from Daniel's response to God speaking. You see, when God speaks, it's always with purpose. In Nebuchadnezzar's case, he was reminding him, he was reminding Nebuchadnezzar he was just a small cog in a big wheel. He may have felt like a big wheel. God was saying, you're a small cog in a big wheel. You're just a part of my great sovereign plan. And Steve, next week, will be unpacking what that means. You see, when God is speaking and unsettling people's hearts, it's a moment for God's people, it's a moment for us to step up to the plate. 
And so when that person was saying to me, ah, oh, I've tried, it didn't work for me. Just a moment to press through. And so I, was, I just pressed through. I said, look, here's this book. Why Jesus? Take this, read this. There's a prayer at the end. If you read it through, it explains what I've just talked about. And you can pray that prayer and you can find certainty of what's going to happen when you die. And I left it with her. Love her deeply. That's exactly what Daniel does. He could have done nothing. He could have begged for mercy. He could have run away. What if God stirs us and puts a dream in our hearts? What are we going to do? For me as a 23-year-old, redeemed by the grace of God, saved by God's grace, I deserved nothing. I had wasted, I had messed up so badly. God in his grace gave me opportunity, forgave me, drew me back to himself. God put a dream in my heart, a dream of preaching. Anybody who would have, if you'd have known me in those years around that time, you'd have gone, that is an impossible dream. That will never happen. You? Really? Oh, come on. Get real. Was it God? Was I deluded? What did I do? I did something. I pressed into God. I I learned to pray. I learned to read my Bible. I spent time giving myself, every opportunity I took it. I desperately sought feedback, and even when, it, when I didn't get it, I just kept going, made mistakes, got it wrong, but kept looking to God. I pushed on and never gave up. Don't just sit back and wait for God to wave the magic wand. We need to be people who respond like Daniel. Daniel responded in two ways. The first thing Daniel did was this. He responded with faith. Daniel went and asked for time from Nebuchadnezzar. He went into Nebuchadnezzar's presence and he said, give me some time and I will interpret the dream. I'll tell you what the dream is and I'll interpret it for you. I want you to notice the way that, uh, that, that Daniel did it. He wasn't brash. He said, oh, I'll do it. Give me a moment. I'll sort it out. He was careful. He went in with respect. He treated the king with respect. He said, uh, uh, king, give me a moment. Give me, give me a bit of time and I will tell you what your dream was and interpret it for you. He was careful. Sometimes people think that faith is just being reckless. No, it isn't. Faith Faith is about being careful before God. It's about treating these things carefully. So Daniel goes in with great care. But he says, God will do this. He will tell me. I know God will do it. So he goes in, he demonstrates his faith, but he does it with care. You see, if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't responded like that, the king wouldn't give him a moment. The king was already fed up with his magicians, his interpreters, who'd just basically gone, oh, that's nonsense. No one can do that. King was absolutely, absolutely, he felt that he was being treated with disrespect. Daniel comes in in a different way, and his voice is heard. You see, faith is not reckless and foolish. Faith is convinced that God 
has the answer, that the answer is to be found in God. This is the essence of faith. The conviction that God is who he says he is. The conviction that we are his people and that he will act on our behalf. It is this that provokes Daniel's action. You see, faith without action is dead. That's what we're told in James chapter 2, verse 20. For many of you, you won't know the story of, of this building. You're sitting in a, a, what is a beautiful building in the centre of Winchester. But in the 90s, God gave the leaders of the church here at the time, known at the time as Winchester Family Church, gave them the dream of a big city centre church. They just finished paying for a building on Stanmore. The building there was too small. But God put a dream in their hearts of a big church in the city centre. And in faith, the church bought this building. In 1997, it was a run-down bingo hall. It was a ridiculous step of faith. On the 8th of December 1996, the church took up a gift day and raised in one morning over £780,000 and paid for the building debt-free. People sold homes, downsized so that you could be sitting here this morning. Since then, we've refurbished and extended this building, this God-given facility, and we've done it debt-free. There have been incredible miracles along the way. Sale of a bit of the car park at the back, which we only didn't realize we bought when we bought this building. And we sold it back to Winchester City Council for £800,000. Miraculous at the height of the market. Recently, we've just completed just under a million pounds of building works to finish the building off and make this building accessible all the time, every part of it. And we've done it without an offering. Why? Why is... Why have we done this? Why have we invested in this facility? It's because God has spoken to us. He's spoken to us about making a difference in this city. We are convinced that God is who he says he is. We are convinced that we're his people and he will act on our behalf. We are one of many great churches in the centre of Winchester. And we are convinced that God wants to do something in this city. And so we have, t- have taken steps of faith. We've, we're taking steps of faith at this moment in time, and we will continue to take steps of faith. You see, we're pressing through in terms of what God has called us to, to do, to build a church that builds a church of a different culture, a God-given culture, A grace-filled culture, as we were singing about this morning. A church that's about community. Actually, church is not a building. It's a people. We are a community of people. And if you're here looking at us this morning, I want to say you are so welcome to be amongst us, to be part of this community. You're welcome to make your home here with us. But we're a community that's different. We're a community that believes what the Bible says. 
And so we're going to be a church that's, that, that goes with, uh, tries to uh, love our culture and work with our culture, but there are going to be some things where we're going to be swimming upstream. And being part of this church means that that's, that's part of what you're buying into. That's not being difficult for difficult sake, but it's standing for what the Bible says is true. And doing it in a, a way that we love people and demonstrate that love. We're a church, called to be a church that proclaims the gospel about Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, great moment, most of you won't know, but someone gave their life to, to Jesus Christ. Bill Gillen had the privilege of leading him to the Lord last Sunday. Beautiful moment. Beautiful moment. I tell you, we want to see more of that. We want to see more of the gospel changing lives and changing destinies. People buying into, suddenly finding that God has a dream for their life. God has a dream for their life and God's going to fulfill it if they'll just submit themselves to God's will. God has plans and purposes for each one of your lives. How good is that? We read in the story that during the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel. Why does it always have to be in the middle of the night? Why can't it be as soon as he prays? Why can't it be straight away? Why does it have to be in the dark hours of the night? Why does it have to seem like morning's coming and I don't have the answer? Why is it that way? God loves to test our faith. Do we really trust him? God allows the time to run, but God knows what he's going to do. Maybe you're taking steps of faith at the moment. Maybe it feels like the middle of the night for you. Maybe you feel like, God, where are you? I've been holding on. Maybe you're in a work situation. Maybe your finances, maybe you're struggling with something and you're holding on to God and it feels like it's three o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black and the, the fear and the anxiety are assailing and you're holding on to God's so that's all you can do. I want to tell you, God may not answer your prayer exactly in the way you want it answered, but he will never, ever, ever let you down, ever. God always works out his purposes. We're doing some amazing things as a church with our soup service, with Christians Against Poverty, the Basics Bank. The Ark on Friday had over, uh, way over 200 mums and toddlers here. 200. Extraordinary number. They're doing an amazing work. We're looking, you know, we're doing some great work uh, with our Monday friendship group with the elder, but we're looking to develop that. We're doing some great stuff. There's lots of challenges out there, but we're doing some great stuff in terms of community. Are we there yet? No, of course we're not yet there yet. Are we getting there? Well, slowly. Are there blips along the way? Yes, there are. But we press on, convinced that he is working on our behalf. Psalm 145 declares this, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what about us? Do we respond with faith? Maybe God's there's a dream in your heart. God's put a dream in your heart. God wants you to respond with faith. 
to believe him and stand on his word. But he wants you to be careful. He doesn't want you to be foolish. It's not about being reckless or doing something stupid. It's about trusting God and being, trusting him to work out his purposes. You don't have to be careless. But we also do, if we do it with faith, we do it with prayer. You see, responding to God speaking, it isn't sufficient to believe God's just going to break through and just to declare it out loud. God expects us to pray. Prayer shows our trust in God, that we trust him. You see, really interesting. Daniel, when he, he comes back from seeing the king, he gets his friends around him and he says, come on guys, we've got to pray. Pray for me. Pray that God reveals this dream to me. Daniel straight away stirs his friends to passionate prayer. Plead for mercy from the God of heaven. You see, he knew God answered prayer. Daniel and his friends knew they were pushing against an open door. And God will do it for us as we come in prayer, as we seek his face. Are you caught and stuck? Do you feel stuck at the moment? You need to pray. You need to do what Daniel did. You need to gather around you people who pray. Daniel went to, he didn't go to anybody. He went to guys he knew who would pray for him. He knew these guys knew how to pray. Surround yourselves with people who know how to pray. If you're struggling to pray, spend time with someone who knows how to pray. Get people around you who will pray. See, God wants us to bring specific, expectant prayer. God loves it when we're specific. God loves it when we're expectant. God loves to answer prayer. And corporate prayer, when we pray together, it is powerful. Sunday morning, if you need a breakthrough, get someone to pray for you at the end of the meeting. Get someone, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. God, I need you to break through. I want someone to pray for me. Those guys know how to pray. I want you to pray for me. Use our intercessor team. We've got a team of, uh, of people. We send information around to specific information to pray for people. If you need prayer for something you need a breakthrough in, get people to pray for you. Respond in the moment. If you're with someone and you're battling, say, pray for me. Will you pray for me? If you're sick, the Bible says, call the elders. I tell you, I am shocked by how few people call the elders to pray for them, to anoint them with oil. I'm shocked by it. Why wouldn't you do it? Let's be a people who respond to God speaking with prayer. And the final thing I just want to say is this. God reveals the mystery. You see, we reach the critical moment in this story and just before it's too late, God mercifully shows up. See, God hadn't been desperately trying to pull it all together behind the scenes with the clock running down. God already knew what he was going to do. He's all-knowing and all-powerful, omniscient and omnipotent, theologians tell us the words are. He's all-knowing and all-powerful. This is what Paul says in Romans, 
Chapter 11, verses 33 to 34. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? There is nothing God doesn't know about what's happened. There is nothing that God doesn't know about what's happening at the moment. And there is nothing that God doesn't know about what's going to happen in the future. It includes what you think, say, and do. God knows it all. And he gives wisdom and power to us through his spirit. Listen to this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom amongst the mature. Not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden. Just like Nebuchadnezzar's dream, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. God, we as believers, as followers of Christ, God fills us with his spirit and opens up his treasure troves of wisdom. God gives us wisdom in the moment. This should provoke us to awe and worship. You see, God was using Daniel and his friends to shape the godless culture of Babylon. And he wants to do it with us in the culture where we live, the places we live, the places we work. We can make a difference. You see, in the end, Daniel's faith is vindicated. You see, God is the revealer of mysteries. He's revealing to godless Nebuchadnezzar his purposes. He still does today. The whole Bible is the revelation of God from the first pages where God walks with us in the Garden of Eden to the last pages where we see the revelation, the full disclosure of his son, Jesus Christ. Throughout the Bible, there's an unfolding revelation, not just of the purposes of God, but also of the loving heart of God. As you turn through the pages of the Bible, you can't help but come across the aching heart of God for men and women. God loves people, loves us so much as we were seeing about. He gave his only son for us. And yet at the beginning we see mankind's fall, our deliberately turning away from God, our, what the Bible calls sin, living independently, living without reference to God. All seems lost. The relationship with a holy God is humanly not restorable. Our sin separates us from God. All of us are born with sin in our DNA. We're born with it. We're separated from God and yet we see something unexpected. Instead of God judging us as we deserve, we find a God slow to anger and abounding in love. Why is God so patient with this world that's running like a, it's like a runaway train heading for a cliff edge? Why is God so patient? He's patient because he longs that none should perish and all should come to know him. He is showing extraordinary favor to undeserving people. He's done it right through the Bible. 
to men like Moses and Abraham and David, men who were flawed and fallen, and God showed mercy to them. And he's doing it today through us. Through Daniel, we catch a glimpse of what God's doing. We are privileged to live in this day when this great mystery has been fully and finally revealed. God says in 1 Colossians 1, chapter, uh, verses 26 to 27, This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your colour, regardless of what you think your sexual orientation is, regardless of any of it, this mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the mystery. Long and there is hope for anyone here this morning. There is hope for anyone outside the doors of this building this morning. And the answer is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ is God's great mystery now revealed. Nebuchadnezzar saw it just a glimpse of it. We now see it fully revealed. The only way we're going to change the culture of the world we live in is for people to hear about and encounter Jesus Christ. Jesus, the hope of glory. Christ in us. You see, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross for us, when he died in our place, when God punished him instead of us for our wrongdoing, The gates of heaven were thrown open. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we say, God, I trust your son died for me. Thank you that he gave himself for me. Suddenly the gates of heaven and we're able to enter into God's presence. Forgiveness is ours for everything we've done wrong because Christ has paid the penalty for us. We can know we receive the free gift of life with God. We become inextricably linked with God. The New Testament calls it being in Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God changes us from the inside out. Are we the finished article? Boy, we're not the finished article. You might feel you're nearly there. I tell you, I'm miles away from it. But I tell you, Christ in me is the hope of glory. One day... Bit by bit, it's happening slowly at the moment. God, do it quicker. But I'm being transformed from one degree of glory to another. There's going to be a day I'm going to stand before him. I'll stand before Jesus Christ who gave himself for me. And I will love him forever for what he's done. That can be your experience too. The world's impossible dream. God still speaks to unlikely people like Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he's speaking to you this morning. Maybe God's unsettled you. Maybe he's put dreams in your heart. Dreams that seem way out of reach. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but there are dreams in your heart that are out of reach. If you think God is speaking to you, don't settle for second best. Respond with faith. Don't have to be reckless. You can do it with care, but actually you have to do it with faith. 
We have to believe what God says and step out on it. Get others to pray for you. Seek God. We have privilege, the privilege of living in days when God's great mystery has been revealed. I'm going to finish with this. This is a great few verses from Ephesians chapter 3. This is what Paul says. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. That's all those who are outside the Jewish nation. That's all of us. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless, the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold, the multifaceted, the glorious, wonderful wisdom of God should be made known to all rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, to all powers, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, in Christ, in him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amazing. Is it not amazing? It's amazing. If anything should make us stand to our feet and worship God, this should. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Going to get the musicians to come out. We're going to finish with a song. And I'm going to give you the opportunity for prayer at the end. But we're going to sing first, and we're going to rejoice in what God has done for us. Father, we stand before you this morning. We say thank you that this mystery is revealed. Christ, Jesus Christ, given for us. It is glorious. It's magnificent. We are so grateful that you have opened our eyes to see Jesus Christ. We weren't even looking for him. You came and found us. What a kind, merciful God you are. We worship you. We're so grateful, so grateful that you are a God who speaks today, speaks to us. We worship you.